0: Welcome to Activate the Hunt, helping you master the skill of hunting. If you're a new hunter who's just getting started, or you've been hunting
1: for a while, but want to learn new tips, tactics, and information to help you become a better hunter, this podcast is for you. Get ready to Activate the Hunt. Welcome to Activate the Hunt. I'm your host, Colin Cottrell. Whether you're new to the show or you've been a listener for a while, I'm really glad you've joined me today. This podcast and organization is dedicated to helping new and experienced hunters like you learn, grow, and get inspired. Before we jump into the conversation this week with Aaron Schmaus, I have a few notes and announcements I want to make. If you're looking to go beyond this podcast and join a group of like-minded hunters that are learning, growing, and inspiring each other daily as hunters, you need to check out our exclusive hunting community, The Digital Campfire. This group of hunters are building friendships on a real level, far beyond what you will find on social media channels. We have a private members app where you can communicate with other members, ask hunting questions, and share your own hunting adventures. Another cool feature is our weekly live video calls. Each week we meet as a group for a video call to talk about different hunting topics, hunting tips, tactics, and more. On top of that, all members of the Digital Campfire are automatically entered in for our monthly partner giveaways and our big featured giveaways. Currently, you could win a Texas wild hog hunt, a full bow hunting setup, gift cards for hunting stores and hunting gear, and much more. You don't want to miss out on being part of this great hunting community. Visit jointhecampfire.com to get signed up today. That's www.jointhecampfire.com. Go get signed up now. This week's podcast episode is with someone I've recently connected with through social media. His name is Aaron Schmaus. Aaron is a passionate hunter and outdoorsman, originally from Montana. He reached out to me recently on Instagram because he wanted to send me a copy of his book, 10 Rules for Finding a Hunting Partner. I read the book while sitting in the ground blind during turkey season and knew right away after reading the book that I wanted to get him on the show for a conversation. Sit back and relax. You're going to enjoy this one. All right, we're joined today by Aaron Schmaus, the archery outdoorsman. Aaron, how you doing today, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm good. Glad yeah. to have you here on the uh, podcast. It's it's been exciting to kind of get to know you over the last few months. I know we just connected through uh, Instagram, and uh, you know it's kind of went from there. I, I noticed that you had a a book that you put out called "The Ten Rules for Finding a Hunting Partner," and I'm I'm a book guy myself, so it's always fun to pick up new reads and and check them out. And and night, uh, it was nice enough you to you actually sent me the book for free, so I appreciate that.
0: Oh, yeah, well, you know I was uh, just trying to get it out there a bit and um, you know, see if I could canoodle up to some people who are a little more into the uh, the space than I was
1: yeah, <laughs> you know? ab- ab- absolutely absolutely that's that's what marketing is all about, man. you got to get that book in right, the right people's hands for sure. but no, i I appreciate you sending that to me and it's been really fun to you know follow your posts on Instagram and start to connect with you, uh, you know, even just outside of hunting, it's kind of fun to see the similarities we have as far as business and life and family and different things like that. So it's really cool just to connect with you on those levels as well, but oh yeah, we're, we're definitely going to have to get into some conversation here about, uh, about your book and, uh, you know, about the different rules and the, and the different principles that you talk about in this book, which actually apply more to just hunting, which is super awesome. I love that you kind of took that perspective that you could use these different principles in more than just hunting. So, yeah, but, uh, yeah. Tell me, tell me a little bit about your, your background. I, you know, I, you're kind of new to me. You've, we've only known each other for a few months. So I'm really interested in learning more about just a little bit about your upbringing, about <clears throat> who you are, what you do professionally, things like that.
0: Well, um, Let's see. So yeah, I, I, grew up in Montana, uh, really rural area, which of course, you know, um, yep. you know, since you, uh, lived in Bozeman for a little while, I was only 60 miles away. And, um, so right after high school, uh, well, I, I did search and rescue, uh, when I was in high school and stuff, uh, around the area Interesting. and, uh, you know, just about everybody, uh, in the areas about the outdoors, you know, that's, that's kind of the totally bitterness. And, uh, I grew up hunting, grew up, uh, fishing and hiking, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I was a wrestler, uh, for what, 12 years, something like that. And, um, uh, so I was faced with a decision, um, either go to college, which I was offered to go to college on a wrestling scholarship or, um, go to the military. And so, um, I chose to go to the military and, um, I kind of kick myself sometimes, um, about (laughs) it, you know, but then on the other hand, I'm like, you know what? I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, Take that back, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sure there's a lot of valuable things that you've learned uh, by being in the military.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, so after the military, um, I was medically separated uh, due to an injury sustained in Afghanistan, and uh, so I ended up going down to South Carolina where my family ended up moving. And uh,
1: okay, okay.
0: You know. The, the rest is pretty much history. I, I, uh, invested in real estate for quite a while and still do. Um, and, uh, do automation for some manufacturing companies and, you know, I'm back and forth to Montana. I do, uh, long range backpack hunting. And, um, as far as the outdoors area, I've, I've, um, I do a lot of like long range hiking and, uh, yep. I think I've done, which is, you know, this is just a, a drop in the bucket, but you know, I've done, I think it was like 70, 80 miles of the Appalachian trail and, wow. uh, but I think it's like 2,200 and some miles long. So that's 80 that's, miles is nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. That man, that's pretty cool though. You're, you're an adventurous guy and I could definitely see that just from, uh, from your posts on Instagram and, oh uh, yeah man it's 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 cool to connect with somebody i i i'm, I'm adventure i would say i'm adventurous but i'm probably not as adventurous uh, as anybody who's from montana because everybody i met when i lived out there was like hardcore to the to the bone like these guys i mean some of them are nuts in my opinion i mean one of my hunting partners his name is tobin cap he is one of the craziest guys i've ever met he will go back 12 14 miles deep into into grizzly country with he won't even bat an eye, no questions asked. He just gets back there and that's what he does. And that's why he's he's been so successful as a hunter or he's killed a lot of animals, I guess. I don't like to yeah. define success as killing, but he, he brings home a lot of meat. Let's just put it that way.
0: Yeah.
1: But, but I, I, first of all, I just want to say, Aaron, uh, thank you for your service. I, I appreciate that. That seriously means a lot to me. And, yeah. no uh, so, and second of all, so, so, obviously growing up in Montana, it's pretty easy to get started as a hunter because it's all around you and everybody is pretty much into it. Now, was there a specific person that really kind of led you down the path?
0: So there was, uh, two different people really. Um, my grandpa, he was, he was, I want to say a pretty successful hunter. Um, and not just in the conventional sense, you know, filling tags and stuff like that, but, Um, he was at one point, the, um, executive vice president of the Montana guides association. Uh, he was, I think vice president of the North American guides association, uh, North American outfitters association. Um, he working with the Montana outfitters and stuff like that. He helped in a lot of ways, um, get the Rocky mountain elk foundation started, um he cool. He actually was um firsthand part of the um BLM like block land management. Yep. Yep. Um so he actually helped start that as well. Uh I think he said they started it out with like 5,500 acres and now they're like five point something million acres or something. Um, which I'm gonna have him on my podcast here pretty soon as well. he's not getting any younger. So I want to get as much conversation with him as I can.
1: You absolutely have to do that. Absolutely.
0: He's got a wealth of knowledge, I'm sure. Oh, just the stories is, I mean, it's, it's amazing. But so he was a huge, huge influence, obviously. Um, And he lived in Montana with us for the first few years. Um, You know, and then my, uh, my uncle, well, he was my step uncle. Um, he actually got me into bow hunting and, cool. uh, I, I, he took me out one year. And after that first year, I was just completely hooked. Um, what, what age were you about when you started bow hunting? I was 12. Wow. That's, um, uh, awesome. yeah, 12 years old, uh, unless it's changed, I believe is the age that, uh, you can start hunting in Montana. Um, and like right from the get, he, uh, he gave me a Hoyt and, uh, I've tried to stick with Hoyt ever since. So for all cool. you Matthews lovers out there, <laughs> uh, I, I've shot a Hoyt the
1: last, I think five or six years myself. So I, I do, I do like Hoyts. They, they are good shooting bows, but you know, as it is for everybody, it's whatever works good for you. Oh yeah. I mean, I,
0: <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I've killed, um, I've killed a lot of animals with a PSE, with, um mm-hmm. with a bear. Actually, I've got a, uh, a bear that I bought for a hundred bucks and that's, and that's no reflection on the quality of the, of the bow at all. But, um, man, I've killed a lot of animals with, with that bear as well. And, uh, I've gotten a lot of flack off of, uh, using different bows and stuff too. Um, but gets the job done, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's, that's what's important.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, so those two were probably my biggest influence um, getting into the outdoors Mm -hmm. and um, my uncle and I, um, man, we, we hunted a handful of times together and it was just, uh, you know, he kind of showed me the ropes a little bit. Uh, when it came to bow hunting, but for the most part, it was a lot of, uh, self-taught and, um, and then. Trial, when, and, uh,
1: trial and error.
0: <laughs> man, you know, honestly, I never, uh, I never knew a whole lot about thermals and playing the wind and stuff like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: when I was younger, um, and, you know, and,
1: and for our, for our new hunters that are listening actually explain what thermals are because that's a really good thing to bring up.
0: Okay. Yeah. So uh, just naturally heat rises. So, um, you know, during the morning part of the day, when everything, when the ground is nice and cold, um, that air is actually going down the mountain.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so once you reach generally from what I've seen, nine, nine, around 8.30 to 9.30, you'll start to see the wind swirl a little bit, and then the ground will heat up and start going back up the mountain. As that sun rises. Right, and starts warming up the ground. Um, So that's basically what your thermals are. So you could get a crosswind um, as you're walking, you know, on the mountain, and you could be maybe just above the elk, and then as soon as, or well, I'm, I'm using elk, I guess any animal. Um, but as soon as the uh, the thermals change, y- you're shot, you know, yeah. because I- you could have that crosswind, but it'll still slightly pull either up or down depending on, you know, what time of day, how cold the the ground is, whether the sun's hitting the side of the mountain, just, you know,
1: I had a, uh, my, my first real elk hunt I ever went on was out in Eastern Montana. And, uh, man, I, I learned about the thermals there on that hunt. And, uh, we, we literally had, I have, I was with a very experienced bow hunter, great friend of mine. And he took me out on a, on, on his, you know, kind of his piece of land that he likes to hunt. And which was really cool of him to do that and to invite me on that.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: And, uh, we were, we were like, it was like the first opening morning, our first, our first stock, we had a bull bugling, and we got up in on him. We were about a hundred yards out of uh, away from him, and he was up on the he was up on the top of the the, the mountain, and we were kind of down just below him. And uh, it was mid morning, like you were talking about. And as that sun rose, and that and we that bull started coming into us, all of a sudden I could feel that wind shift right on on the back of my neck, and that was my first experience learning about what thermals are all about.
0: Oh, and it'll burn you every time. And man, I, I had a, uh, a bull not last year, the year before I did a lot of, uh, I think I called in like seven or eight bulls within a matter of like a day and a half mm-hmm. and, um uh, nothing, you know, nothing really of any size. Um, cause I'm, you know, I'm trying to get a mature animal. Um, uh, but, Really, I was having so much fun calling in these bulls that, uh, you know, it was crazy. Um, but anyway, so I had probably a 320, 330 bull. Um, I was on public land and he comes up to the fence and I was about 60, 70 yards off of the fence line from private property and I was trying to call him onto public. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he comes up to the fence, jumps the fence, and almost the moment his feet touch the ground, the wind shifted. And I watched him lift his nose and turn around and jump the fence. I was like, "Oh my god!" It's amazing
1: how quick they can turn around and like that too. Like
0: it literally—it oh, was—they was,
1: they, turn around on their back legs and they're gone, like 100, 200, 300 yards away within seconds. It's unbelievable.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, it was—it was just nuts. So that he—that would have put him right on the edge of my effective range and uh i mean i'm just like i was i i was i was so upset that i completely stopped paying attention to my surroundings and i threw myself back on my uh on my butt cuz i was i was on my knees and uh i threw myself back on my butt and there was a cactus right there and you know <laughs> I got a whole butt cheek full of cactus and oh man. So, there's nothing like a, you know, 4-mile walk with cactus prickers all in your butt and
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was
0: insult to injury, but yeah, yeah, thermals are burning every time.
1: Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's, it's, that's a cool thing for, for, uh, the new hunters out there that are listening though, to learn,
0: especially when they, when they decide to go out on that first Western hunt. (laughs) Oh, even, even on in the East though, um, you know, thermals are still a a big, big factor. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you hunt these coolies and draws and stuff like that. Totally. Uh, You know, river bottoms. Yeah. Stand placement and all that kind of stuff plays into it. And I'm going to be completely honest I struggle so much hunting in the East because I think it's harder than hunting in the West personally. Um, which is probably why I've given a, um, a biased opinion on, on, <laughs> on, on hunting in the West subconsciously, but.
1: Well, you, you've hunted, you grew up hunting in Montana and you hunted that way your whole life. So, I mean, it's just, it's just natural that you come to some place that you, you know, didn't grow up and hunt for a long time and, and have a little bit more struggle. I mean, when I, I grew up in Minnesota hunting, you know, in the Midwest. So when I moved out to Montana, it was like, I was like, what the heck? It was a total shock, you
0: know, to learn everything. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, there there for a while. Um, well of course I'm sure there's so many people that, that are aware of the whole East West, uh, rivalry back and forth. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, oh you haven't hunted until you've gone out west and honestly unless you're like in Oregon or Washington where it's just like really thick and nasty um hunting out west in my opinion I think is is easier in a lot of ways um because I'm not a patient person Mm -hmm. um I've heard that.
1: I've heard that from a lot of my Western friends. They say the exact same thing, actually.
0: Yeah, I mean, I you know you can run and gun out west because you can spot them, you hear them, whatever. It's a lot quieter in the east or where it's thick and stuff like that. Um, you know, you've got leaves crunching. I mean, your your spot and stock is not happening. I mean, yeah. uh, those those guys that say, "Oh yeah, I." stalk this buck, unless it was like on somebody's farm, um, either one of two things is, is happening here. One, they're either a lying or B they are like stealth ninja. I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, they're hunting from like a, a very quiet helicopter or something like that. I don't, I don't know, but, um, uh, yeah, it's like next to impossible to be
1: I think the biggest hurdle for, uh, Easterner moving to the, you know, moving out West to hunt or going out West to hunt is really just getting over that, that hurdle of, of the terrain and and, and being in shape, you know, you, you have to be ready for, for the mountains and you have to be able to understand how to eat right, how to physically be ready, how to mentally be ready. I mean, I, I think my biggest struggle from moving from the Midwest to hunting out, out west was really just it was it was intimidating you know just looking at it from afar i was like wow like those are big mountains there's grizzly bears in there there's black bears in there there's all mm-hmm. kinds of animals there's a bunch of other hunters in there who are really good at hunting out west it intimidated me so luckily for me i had a good friend out there who I mentioned earlier, Tobin, who took me out and showed me there's nothing out here to be you know you don't have to be intimidated, you just need to work hard and 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 do it right, and you're gonna have a lot of fun out here hunting out west
0: yeah i mean there's there's a lot of you know like you had mentioned that I really took for granted um hunting out there uh and now I don't take take it for granted nearly as much um but you know now i have to work you know uh, yeah yeah yeah
1: exactly uh
0: back then it was like man this just came so easy you know you i remember huffing and puffing and stuff like that going up the the mountains and everything but my recovery was so much easier than it is now and uh but yeah i mean it's uh It's, it's completely different terrain and completely different, um, a complete different style of hunting. Yeah. Uh,
1: They're, they're both hard in their own way. Hunting is not easy. (laughs) It's not an easy thing. It's, there's a lot of time, energy, effort, you know, ups, downs. Obviously that's why we love hunting and that's why why I love being, you know, having that lifestyle. Oh yeah. It's not easy.
0: And I, I pointed out in my book, you know, um, I I approach the book, you know, from a a Western hunting standpoint, just because of the, Mm -hmm. you know, ball busting just, um, mentality that you have to have if you're going to be successful in punching a tag year in and year out, um, out West, unless you just have access to a, um, you know, a ranch where they're just there all the time and, you know, it's no big deal. Um, totally.
1: Well, and from my perspective too, uh, I actually enjoyed the fact that you kind of took the approach of the Western hunt for, for the book, even though I'm from the Midwest and I, you know, primarily hunt in the Midwest. I think it really, it really kind of went through the different uh, principles in, in a way that you could learn more about it, I guess. I, you know, it's kind of hard to explain that, but you know, you'd have to read the book to really understand what I'm saying. But I, I, I just, Took a hold of each principle really well with the way you talked about them in in you know from the perspective you talked about them in. So yeah,
0: well you can you can have those like pain in the butt hunts or you know just those those real mentally draining. I, I would say most of them are like mentally draining um, because you have to overcome your own mental blocks in yes. most cases to keep you pushing. Um, you know your your body's going to give up far before your mind or if you let it yes. you know you're you're able to accomplish so much more than than what your body thinks it is um, another so, th-
1: another thought I had though too is is the fact that you know in the east and the midwest I don't know I don't know if it's me or or if this is everybody's way but personally I hunt with people in the East or I I hunt with people here, but it's not like I'm always with a hunting partner. I mean, we, we, we go to hunting camp together and hang out, but you're not specifically hunting together all the time. It's not like you're sitting in the same tree together, walking the woods together. You know, you know, one guy's going to his stand another guy's going to his stand. And, you know, it's kind of from there Um, now, obviously scouting and, and, and potentially finding places to hunt. You know, you can hunt, you can do that with somebody, but just the idea of, Hunting partners in general really, really has more effect out west. Personally, is my thought.
0: Yeah, and you know, I kind of alluded to it a little bit when uh, from when I was younger. Most of my hunting was done as a solo hunter. Um, yep. From like twelve years old, I, you know, I would literally strap a bow or a gun to my back after school and. I was actually talking to a buddy of mine about this last night and we would go out in the woods somewhere, somewhere outside of town. And, uh, you know, it'd be a couple miles or whatever. And, and we would hunt by ourselves. I've I've been chased by moose. I've been, uh, stalked by mountain lion, one mountain lion. Um, uh, you know, I've had encounters with bears, um, and, and that's not to dissuade anybody from going out and doing this kind of stuff. I mean, um, it's just the reality. <laughs> yeah, I it mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it is a reality. Um, but I will say that I've never had a dangerous confrontation with a black bear. I've been very close to, to black bears, um, never had a dangerous, com- um, confrontation with them
1: any any Um, uh, times where they had cubs
0: uh yeah once um but i mean they just they just took off in the other direction um well that's good i did come across a mother grizzly and cubs and that was a different story Mm -hmm. um she was not appreciative of me being in the area but uh
1: one of those times you get the heck out of there as quick as you
0: can yeah i mean but but even still she didn't Uh, she didn't charge me. She, you know, swiped the ground and, uh, was, you know, moaning and I don't know what you call it, roaring, I guess, uh, back and forth and slobbering everywhere. And, uh, you know, just eased back out of there real slow and, you know, went on our way. Um, but actually my most dangerous encounters were probably with moose. I I would get chased by moose every year. Um, I think there was maybe one year that I didn't get chased by moose. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was pretty nuts, but.
1: So, so where did you actually get the idea then? So you you talk about being a solo hunter and that's what you do a lot of. So what gives you the, you know, what, what, what gives you the authority to talk about and, and write a book about finding a good hunting partner?
0: Absolutely Nothing uh no <laughs> um so i uh, a lot of the reason that i i solo hunted myself was because i had been burned a lot um when it came to hunting with somebody else
1: okay yeah um
0: you know from for one reason or another you know somebody'd steal your spot and i always hunted on public land but you know, you work your butt off. You you see in, you know, out in Montana or finding, wherever. Finding
1: your spots, even on public land, is still... It's a oh, big it's thing, hard. You
0: know? Like like when I was alluding to
1: earlier with Toby, he, you know, graciously invited me to come to his spots to hunt with him, but there was no way that I was allowed to go to those spots without his permission. Well, that was an unwritten rule that I knew anyway. I learned that right away.
0: Well, and I've, I've noticed that too um, about... It seems like more people in the West, um, and you know, this might be anecdotal, but it seems like more people in the West kind of have that unwritten rule. Um, I've seen in the East, and maybe it's because there's not as much public land. Um, you know, they're just all fighting for some of the same areas. Uh, but it, it's less of a less of an understanding, it seems like, um, out in the East, but so, you know, I, I got burned a lot, like I said. Um, and then, you know, I, I always hated to, um, having to drag somebody along. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, you know, I, I'm a fairly motivated hunter. Um, I, I, try and push as hard and as long as I can, um, try and cover as much ground as I can or, or whatever. And when you're hunting with somebody that doesn't have that mentality, uh, it's kind of a, kind of a drag, you know? Um, and, and I'm sure vice versa, you know, I, I, you know, if you aren't, the kind of motivated hunter that I am, yep. Um, and I'm trying to drag you along. You're probably like, "Man, screw this guy," you know. Totally. Uh, so, really, I, I kind of approached it from the psychology of of all of it, you know.
1: Well, and and obviously, you're kind of talking about more experienced hunters and hunting with somebody who has more experience, not like a new hunter who
0: you're just trying to take out and mentor. So.
1: Just, well, to cl- just to clarify.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and even even new hunters, though, like uh, Joseph, the guy I mentioned in my book. Yes. Um, he had never hunted before. And he was just, I warned him uh, repeatedly that, uh, that it, it's going to be a pain in the ass of a hunt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just really what to expect. And I said, Are you okay with this? Uh and he goes, Yeah, I mean I, I want you to to kick my butt and if I'm being lazy, I want you to say, Hey, look, come on, we need to go. And uh
1: I like how you how 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 you kind of talked about your, your, your interview process with him, you know, and kind of just seeing what kind of person he was especially for the I mean the type of hunt you guys were going on his first hunt literally was a backcountry mountain hunt in Montana so oh yeah a little bit different than taking him on a on a maybe a private property hunt here in Texas for for wild hogs so
0: Uh oh for sure
1: that process and that you know making sure that he was going to be up for it was definitely super important
0: right and and that's not to say that you can't ever hunt with people like that um but it's more for selecting the type of person the type of partner uh for the given situation so if i was to go say hog hunting or something like that on a on a ranch somewhere um i would probably be okay with taking you know that that guy that's not as motivated to walk 10 miles or you know whatever exactly um, you know, so it's really like feeling out the situation and, you know, from a business perspective and, um, you know, relationship wise, friendship wise, stuff like that. I've got a bunch of different types of friends. I've got different business relationships and stuff, but it's picking the people who best fit what it is that you are going to be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like yeah, you know, I mentioned working as hard as you do. Well, you know, if you're in a business relationship, you want a partner that's going to be working as hard as you do. You don't yes. want to be there Friday night, uh, you know, because you've got a customer that needs something first thing in the morning and you're there by yourself and your partner's off partying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he sent an Instagram stories to you from, from, uh, from the bar, from a, a live show or
0: something. <laughs> right. You know, so, so it really is just picking the people that match the situation that you're going to be in. And that's, that's really for everything.
1: So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Now tell me a little bit about the, so you you talked about Joseph and, and how, how you and your, your hunting partner, Dave kind of came together. Now, how long have you and Dave been hunting together?
0: Uh, yeah, let's see, we've been hunting together for, I don't know probably four or five years. Um,
1: And he was kind of somebody that you had trust in in, in, and enjoyed as a hunting partner.
0: Well, actually the, the first hunt that I ever went on with Dave, um, another buddy had actually introduced us and he goes, Hey, you've got to meet this guy. You'll absolutely love him. Um, And, you know, And from then on out, it was like, he goes, Hey, are you interested in, in going on this hunt? And it was one of those like pain in the butt hunts, Mm -hmm. but it was in a, a swamp and, you know, all day long, we're trudging through the swamp and everything like that. And, um, you know, dealing with sharks and gators and all kinds of stuff. And, uh, and from that hunt. It was like, hey, this is a cat that I can I can really get along with. So, but we, you had to,
1: you had to spend some time with him, though.
0: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I mean, I didn't know him at all. It was just, uh, you know, we had met a few times, uh, hung out a couple times, but uh, did we did. We really didn't know each other. So,
1: did you know he would be somebody right away? Then, once you kind of had spent that amount of time with him that he would be somebody to come out hunting West
0: with you? Oh, most definitely. So Dave is, uh, in my opinion, um, and I'm sure his record can speak for itself. He, in my opinion, is, is a real life hero. Um, You know, he's done, I think four tours. Um, He's been in, multiple multiple combat situations and he's the most loyal guy i think i've ever met in my life and um he's just i mean he will literally do anything and everything for his friends and uh that's awesome yeah i mean he's just yeah i mean now i think he works at the pentagon and um so I mean he's he's made a, a career out of the military and stuff like that. And not that you have to be in the military to be a hero, but um he he's that
1: alpha type though. He's that hardcore guy who, who works oh, hard, yeah. plays hard, and and does everything to the full full. Oh head yeah. Head
0: oh it's yeah, yeah, most definitely. And if he says that uh I, I just I really value his opinion and he's probably one of the smartest guys that I've ever met, too uh, street smart and book smart, but, uh, you know, so his, you you guys, you guys go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say his, um, his whole opinion on people is like, I I will take it to the grave. If he says somebody or uh, is a good person or somebody's a bad person or, you know, whatever, I will take it to the grave.
1: Yeah. Which, which kind of lines up with, you know the principles you talk about in the book, you know you guys are very similar you know as people you guys have you know you guys are both willing to work hard to endure the same amount of suck as you call it oh yeah know? and it's and it sounds like you guys have very similar uh morales as well
0: yeah and and that's a big thing too I mean you've gotta have the same uh moral compass you know um otherwise you're just not gonna get along i mean. You're going to, uh, you know, I don't want that boy scout with me all the time. That's like, Hey, by the way, you can't do this. You can't do that. I don't want you to tell me what I can and can't do. Yeah. Because if we're out there and we're hunting, we both know the rules or we both should know the rules. Yes. So I don't need you to quote them to me all the time, but on the other, that's not saying that I'm going to go out there and do stuff that's illegal or whatever, but you know, um, he's, you just, you have to have the same moral compass, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know that that person is going to, is going to stick by your side, you know, when, when it, you know, when maybe something bad happens, you know what I mean? This guy isn't just going to run off. Maybe it, maybe you have an encounter with a bear, maybe somebody twists their ankle or something like that. This guy's like, he's going to stick with you too. It, it comes down to like personal morals as well.
0: Oh, most definitely. Like if, uh, and he's, he's one of the, both him and Joseph now, um, are those guys that, you know, if, if I get in a fight, they're going to be right there by my side. And if anything happens, I know that they're not going to leave me out there and I wouldn't do the same. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave them and, uh, and that. So that's, you know, they have that true no man left behind mentality that, that I like to be around.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You talk about, you talk about teaching and learning and compromising. Tell me a little bit about you kind of your experiences with those, those three principles um, that you, you, you know, you talked about in the book.
0: So I go out, um, with everybody that like when I go out with somebody, I assume that I know nothing mm-hmm. um, because there's something to be learned from everybody totally um, so I want people who are willing to teach me, not somebody that is overbearing and and feels like they know everything. But I want them to be, to have that team mentality where they see it as, okay, if you know the same things that I know and I can learn the same things that you know, it just makes us stronger as a team Yeah. and operating in a military team or a sports team or anything like that. Um, if you're, you just you get to know each other to a point where you almost know what that person's next move is without even saying anything. It's like, you're, you're on this uh, telekinetic level, you know, where, okay, well, I I know that Dave is walking this direction and I can see by the way he's looking yeah, at, at something. He either hears something or he's, he's working, you know, in a certain direction or he's got something on his mind. It's just because he's taught me a lot of the ways that, that he hunts and I've taught him a lot of the ways that I've hunted. So if I stop and I'm behind him, he's running point. He, he knows too that, okay, I stopped because something's wrong or I, I see something, I hear something, or hey shoot, maybe I just need a break. Um, but he knows that I'm willing to push myself until I drop. You know, so if if I stop, there's a reason that I'm stopping, you know, and, and the same yeah. thing with him. So it's it's all about knowing each other and stuff like that. If if you're learning from each other, then you really get to know each other and you really get to make your entire team better.
1: Totally. You 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 kinda you know, I look at like sports teams and stuff. I'm a big baseball guy. Baseball is a huge, you know, team sport when it comes to, you know, how people play together. Any sport is a team, you know, mostly a team sport other than probably like wrestling, you know, but uh, you know, I kind of look at that and I think, man, you you see those teams that have success and win championships and it's because they have that, you know, they have that tight knit, close relationship. They kind of know what each other's thinking. They're teaching each other. They're willing, they're willing to learn from each other. They're open to that. And, And another thing like you talked about is, you know, there's times when you have to compromise as well and you have to kind of put your pride and your ego aside and uh, you know, maybe, you know, listen to what somebody has to say, even though you don't necessarily want to hear it too.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: I think you talked about uh, your your being married to your wife and and the curtains. Tell me about that. Oh God,
0: man. (laughs) Uh, So I'd like to say, First and foremost, lace is not a curtain, <laughs> <laughs> so you know she uh she wanted these uh these frilly lace um you know, window covering and um
1: they, they look nice right
0: <laughs> yeah, they're nice and they're pretty, and you know that's all she's concerned about and in my perspective i'm I'm looking at the security aspect i'm I'm looking at you know the the whole i don't want people to look inside my house and see inside my house you know at night or whatever or you know i don't want people seeing what they can steal or you know all that kind of stuff there's unknowns to not being able to see yeah so that's how we think as men yeah and and you know and it probably uh amplifies a little bit just from my background, you know, in the military and all that kind of stuff too, you know, so um so I'm a, I'm about security. Um and it just from the practical aspect, right? If the sun's shining in your window, it increases your power bill. So if I'm looking at it analytically, hey, I want to keep those curtains closed, you yep. know. Yep. Um so you know, we went back and forth and everything and uh you know, I, finally, I was just like, you know what, I'm putting my foot down and we ended up getting lace curtains. (laughs) So, um, but we ended up coming up to a, uh, you know, coming up with a compromise where, um, I got my solid curtains, um, along with her lace curtains and we were able to find a design or whatever that, uh, that kind of incorporated both.
1: Yeah, Yeah. And,
0: uh, so, so, you know, that that's pretty much where the compromise came from. And uh, Well, any,
1: anybody who's been married for any amount of time, you know, it, it, things can go bad real quick when you're, uh, when one person's not happy. So <laughs> oh, it's, most it's, definitely. It, I've really learned, you know, being married for two and a half years now that, man, that you just, it's not worth the fight. It, let's talk this out. Let's communicate. Let's try to figure out a, a, a happy medium for both sides. And in the end, we're both much happier because of that, and I, I can definitely see how that you know ties into hunting, especially out west with a hunting partner. Where you know one guy might be thinking, oh, let's go down into this valley, and another guy might be thinking, oh, let's let's jump up here and and, and ride this ridge, you know. And yeah, can can butt heads, but sometimes one guy's just got to say, you know what, maybe maybe Dave's right, or maybe maybe Joseph's right. Let's go this way and try this out.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where you know your partners are, are like your spouse. I mean, um, they they really are in a lot of ways from a business standpoint or, you know, whatever. You spend more time with them than you do your own spouse, you know. Um, Especially if you hunt a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely if you hunt a lot. If, if you're looking at it from a hunting perspective, you know, you are, I don't know that I could stand my wife uh, in in some of the hunting situations, that, yeah, yeah, uh, totally. You know, uh, but that's that's just not her scene. You know, exactly. Uh, but well, you can get yourself into some crazy situations
1: when, especially on a Western style hunt. I mean, there's you oh, just yeah. never you never know what's going to happen. You never know what kind of weather is going to blow in. You never know what's what situation might arise. I think didn't you talk about in one part where didn't you hurt your Achilles tendon? Is that what it was?
0: Yeah, I had pulled the Achilles away from my heel. And um, yeah, so I didn't, I didn't actually end up feeling it until uh, we had gotten back to camp. uh, Later that night, you know, I started maybe feeling a little bit. uh, But then once I stopped, and, you know, I guess all that blood started, you know, started to slow and stuff like that. uh, Everything started getting tight. And uh, made it really hard to walk. And the next day I was just, man, it it was rough and I was wanting to tough it out. And Joseph goes, Joseph goes, well, let's walk down this hill because it, it didn't hurt when I was walking down. It was when I was walking up, you know, putting a lot of stress on it.
1: Oh, the pressure on it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, uh, so he goes, let's, let's walk down this little hill right here and and see how it does. And, uh, and then we'll go from there. And so we we'll walked walk down. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm feeling all right. This, you know, this morning. And then he goes, well, try and walk back up. And man, I was like, I was holding back tears. I was like, man, man. and jo- and Joseph just like saw my face and he was like, yeah, no, nah. he goes, I, I know you're tough and I know you, you want to tough this out, but, you're you're looking at something that that could be really dangerous you know and how,
1: f- how far back were you guys at that point
0: um at that point we we were only like maybe 200 yards oh, okay uh Good. 200 200 yards from from where we had moved to um from the truck uh because that morning we had we had come out um Uh, in the truck to a different location. And we were going to walk from the truck um, back in Mm -hmm. um, and try and hit a place where we had found elk. Actually I had missed a shot at a bull and Joseph had missed a shot at a bull. Um, So we knew they were there. So we were going to try and find an easier way to, to get to them. And uh, it just, it just didn't work out. So my partner knowing, how I was and and knowing knowing me, you know um on a personal level he he was able to say, "No, we need to pull the plug um, and part of that too, I think, was probably ego on my part,
1: yeah, yeah, we all have that, you know, well, I guess not everybody does, but I can definitely tell you're the type of guy who is, is going to fight through things and, and that you want to accomplish something. You set out, you set a goal and you want to set out to accomplish that goal. And, uh, quitting early is not usually part of that goal. So I, no, I get that. And, and you've got to have, you know, and to turn that back around, you know, there might be, if you're hunting with somebody who's like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Let's just go in and, you know, let's go get some food and let's maybe spend the night in the hotel tonight or whatever. It's like, then it's kind of like, well, that's not what we came out here to do. We came out here to kill some, kill an elk, you know, or kill a, kill a deer or whatever it was. Right. And bring, bring home some meat. So on the other side of it, you have to have a, a partner, and you talked about this that isn't going to let you quit as well.
0: Oh, absolutely, and and that was, um, you know, I think I use in in the book uh, the example Dave. He had missed so. I would like to say that if you've ever pre-rut elk hunted, uh, with a bow, you, uh, you know that it's not easy to get a shot at a bull. Um, and he had a shot at two different bulls and he missed both of them. Um, which, you know, I shoot, I'm not mad at him and I'm not going to bust his balls. Um, because he missed because just the fact that he had those two shots is, is really impressive in my opinion. So, um, you know, when, when he missed that second shot, you know, it was, I think second to last day or now maybe, maybe it was the third to the last day because I ended up having to come out early, um, because of my heel. So, and that was the second to last day. Yeah. So he, uh, he lines up on this bull at 15 yards. And I was a little bit further back because I was trying to call this bull in. he, he wasn't a big bull. um, But you know, he, this bull comes in to 15 yards, stands there broadside. I mean, just perfect opportunity. And he lets it fly. And, Nick's a limb and I heard a, a thunk, you know, every, every bow hunter knows that, that mm-hmm. sound, you know? yep. And, uh, so I was like, yes, you know, he got it, Dave, or I'm sorry. Uh, Joe thought he got it. And, uh, the bull, the only thing that made me really question whether he got it or not was the bull had gone back uphill and, uh, you know, not really being able to see, you know, because of where I was, uh, I wasn't quite sure. So I thought maybe, you know, he hit it far back or, you know, something like that. And, uh, so I was like, look, you know, we need to just give him some time. We'll give him about 30, 45 minutes before we even go and look at the arrow and the arrow was only like 15 feet away. And, uh, so, or I'm sorry, 15 yards away. So, we go over, we're looking for the arrow, looking for the arrow. And, um, I end up seeing it stuck in a rotted stump. And, uh, he's like, man, I, you know, I had to have hit him and I'd look down and I see the arrow and I was like, Oh, here's your arrow. And he's like, Oh, I got a complete pass through. And you know, he's all excited. (laughs) And, uh, I was like, yeah, not so much, buddy. I think you missed. I don't see any blood on it. And, uh, I mean, it was like you just shot his dog. I mean, oh, yeah. he, he was just like, Devastated. He was, yeah, I mean, just the look of disappointment and all that kind of stuff. So, at that point, he goes, I'm done. He's like, "I'm I'm going back to the truck. And, I mean, this was like, I don't know quarter after eight in the morning. And, uh, I was like, no, we, we gotta go this way, man. We gotta, we gotta go to where we're going. And he goes, no, I mean, I'm, I'm done. He's like, I'm not good at navigation, but I know that we came from that direction. So I, I can find my way back. And I said, yeah, but if you give up now, you're not going to have another chance. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I wouldn't let him quit. And, uh, and he goes, all right. So I finally talk him into it. And then later on that day, uh, I miss a shot and, and I was like, it, it was perfect too, but I had ranged him for the wrong distance. I, I guess I had hit the tree behind him or something Yep. and, uh, I shot over his back and man, I was, I was feeling the same way. And he goes, it's all right we're going to come back tomorrow and we're going to get this done and we will be successful tomorrow. And that's awesome. We, we didn't kill anything, uh, that trip with the bow. I actually ended up killing my bull during rifle season. Um, but just that, that person to kind of give you a hand up was, you know, was good, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's super important. I mean, I know that the people I've had around me were very much the same, especially when I hunted out West and it was, it was hard for me because, um, you know, being a flatlander and hunting at, in th- that terrain and that elevation, man, it, it, it takes the wind out of you real quick until you get used to it. And there was many times when, uh, not only was Toby telling me, well, you need to get in better shape, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, even though I felt, I, I thought I was in good shape. Cause I, I was a college football player, but, uh, but he was also like, man, we're not going to quit. We got to keep going. This is how you're going to get better and you're going to learn and you're going to grow, you know? So that was oh yeah, super, super important to have somebody like that around me. And I can, I can attest to, to that in, in my,
0: my hunting partner when I was out West. Um, well, and that guy too is the one that's going to be like, Hey, you know, quit being a wuss, you know, Hey, we need to keep going. And if you have any sort of competitive drive in you at all, you're, you know, you're going to be like, okay, well, he's, he's still going. So I need to keep up with him. You know,
1: you feed off of each other.
0: Exactly. You know, that's awesome. So. Now y-
1: you talk about, uh, the true meaning of success. That's one of the things that we you know, that was one of the chapters that really stuck out to me. Cause I, I really believe there is a lie about success, especially when it comes to hunting and anything, but especially in hunting, and, uh, you know, you kind of talked about that in, in the book. Now, when Joseph went on that, on his first hunt, like, was he thinking that success was notching a tag or, you know, what was his thoughts on that? And how did you help him understand that? Uh,
0: so let me preface this by saying Joseph is a very, very successful businessman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he
1: said he, he he's, he's does really, really well into
0: the millions with his business. Uh yeah, uh, he he owns a um I think it's international now uh insurance company that um that provides uh life insurance to first responders. Um so yeah, he he did, and I think he's the sole provider uh of insurance policies for one of the main companies that okay. that does it. So, wow! so he's, he's very successful and he built that business, I think in like seven years to, to where it is today, seven, eight years.
1: That's awesome.
0: And, um, so he's, he's no stranger to hard work. He's very successful, very, um, motivated guy. Um, so he understood from the get go, the meaning of success. Uh, and what the difference between success and goals are. Yes. Um, your goal, obviously, is to notch your tag. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and and there is some success in notching your tag. You know, you successfully completed a goal. Yes. But at the same time, that in my opinion, the true meaning of success is – getting out there, you know, enjoying your time when you're out there, seeing some animals, you know, learning a whole bunch mm-hmm. and, um, and getting back safe. Um, I, I do a lot of extreme stuff, but my, my goal is to get back safe, you know, and and to get my friends and, and my partners back safe as well.
1: At, at the end of the day, we still have, you yeah. know, I I believe you have kids, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're married and have kids and we have loved ones who want to see us again, hopefully. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, I totally
0: get that. So in, in my opinion, you know, the, the true meaning of success is, is that getting back safe and, you know, you're not going to provide for your family if you're dead.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: you know, so enjoy the time that you're out there and don't take it for granted. That's, that's where you'll find your success. And if you continue to push and you continue to not give up and you continue to learn, you will be successful in filling your goals.
1: Correct.
0: Eventually it it just comes hand in hand. So to me, that's, that's the true meaning success. I did read a, um, a book by uh, Phil Mendoza, and he does bring up an excellent point. Um,
1: and actually, I know Phil very well. He is uh, he owns the archery shop there just outside yeah. of Denver, correct?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great book, uh, Shoot or Don't Shoot.
1: I, I've never read the book, so I'll have to check that out.
0: Yeah, it's a great book, um, and I I think I really liked it because he doesn't really mince words and I don't really have time for BS. So, um, so I, I really liked the way he, he wrote that book and everything, but he says in the book, Hey, look, you know, there's, there is a, uh, I can't remember exactly how he words it, but there's a, a trend where people were, you know, trying to say, Oh, well, being successful isn't notching a tag. There is some success in notching a chag, a tag.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: but the thing that he says is if you're not out there to fill your goals, then pick a different time to just go out for a leisurely walk in the woods. <laughs>
1: yes, exactly. You
0: know? Because otherwise you're just ruining my hunt. Yeah, exactly. It is basically what he says. And And there is some truth in that, you know, we're out there to do a job and that sounds pretty crass, but we're out there to notch a tag. We're out there to hunt. We're out there, you know, but at the same time, don't take for granted all of the reasons that we enjoy the outdoors.
1: At the end of the day, don't let not filling a tag you know, dictate if you had success, basically. Exactly, exactly. You can still take so much from it. I went on a rant, a little rant yesterday on Instagram. Actually, I did a little Instagram, IGTV video. And I kind of talked about that. I, you know, I talked about the same thing. I mean, we can learn, you know, from these past hunts where we don't have any, you know, or we don't kill something or notch a tag, you know, there's so much we can learn from it. And then when that time comes that we do notch our tag and we fulfill that goal, it just makes it that much sweeter.
0: Yeah, I think I saw a part of that, and then I actually ended up getting pulled away and and didn't get to finish it. But um, but yeah, it, it, I agree. It's um, you know there's there's a lot to be said for going out there and trying and and continuing to learn and continuing to better yourself as a hunter and as an outdoorsman.
1: If there's uh if there's one thing that we didn't cover today about, you know, obviously we just kind of went through these, you know, these these different principles, you know, back and forth. We didn't go through them in order or anything like that. We only barely touched the surface on this on these topics, but uh what's what's one thing that, you know, we may be left out that you'd really want to
0: emphasize? Ooh. Um, you know, I'm I'm not really sure. I mean, to me, all of the rules are, are pretty important. Um, there you go. But I think at the end of the day, you, you write your own rules, you know, um, just, just because some unknown author comes up with a set of rules doesn't mean they apply to everybody. Um, You know, ultimately you, you write your own rules and what you are willing to, um, what you're willing to accept as behavior and as, um, as a partner, Mm -hmm. the, the 10 rules that I came up with, well, I didn't just come up with it myself, Dave and Joseph, uh, all came up with them together. Um, they're really kind of a guideline. um, and they're meant to help you know, anybody and and maybe i I shouldn't have said ten rules in finding a hunting partner. maybe I should have just said ten rules in finding a partner, but it was based around hunting, so it just kind of made sense to me. But if you're looking for a guideline for finding all different kinds of people, uh, all different kinds of partners, mm-hmm. then this book is for you. These, these rules are fairly universal, uh, across the board. And, uh, to the point where REI actually, um, approached me and I'm supposed to start doing seminars here pretty soon. My first seminar is June 26th, uh, in the Greenville store. Excellent. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we're going to call it bridging the gap. Um, where basically we're we're talking about the principles uh, behind the 10 rules and how they apply to everybody, hikers, hunters, fishermen, um, just business people, relationship, everything. So
1: I kept finding myself uh, when I, when I read it, I kept finding myself, you know, thinking about other situations that were even outside of hunting, my marriage, running, running a business, uh parenting my kids. You know, there was different things with all the different principles where I definitely thought outside of hunting. But it was also cool to really think about it from a hunting perspective because that's something I'm so passionate about. And I know that the people listening are so passionate about.
0: Oh yeah. I mean it's it's relatable. I mean we're always hunting for something, right? I mean really the the name 10 rules for finding a hunting partner is a metaphor for whatever it is that you're seeking, Um, you know, we're all trying to be successful. We're all hunting for something, whether, whether you don't like hunting or not, you're a hunter and you're trying to accomplish whatever goals and, and achieve whatever success that you've set forth for yourself. So, so you're a hunter too, whether you don't like the idea of hunting or not you know, or whether you like the idea or you don't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Man, (laughs) That's powerful right there, buddy.
1: That's, that's good stuff right there. And I think that's a good, uh, a good thought to end on for, for us to end on today. But uh, I do have a, a couple last questions. I ask all the, all of the people I uh, have conversations with. And the first question is I didn't, and I didn't prep you for this. So take a couple seconds to think about it if you need to, but I ask all of my guests, why do you hunt?
0: Why do I hunt, man? That is such a multifaceted question. Um, there are so many different reasons that that I hunt. Um, one is your the the North American model of hunting that we have is. I, I don't want to say it's just my opinion because there's several several experts that agree. Um, not saying that I'm an expert, but the North American model of hunting is probably the best model, um, in the world, uh, for wildlife conservation and, and public lands conservation. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that being said, we're able to curb a lot of the encroachment issues and stuff that people have on wildlife and the diminishment of, of wildlife population, um, through hunting. I think the last I read, it was like six point some billion dollars, uh, in wildlife conservation funds and public lands conservation funds, uh, came from hunters and non hunters, uh, attributed I think it was in the millions. So, You know, if you just take that as a scale, there was, uh, I want to say it was like 13 million hunters or something like that. Um,
1: That's roughly, yep, 13 million, which has dropped significantly in the last 20 years, unfortunately.
0: Right, absolutely. And, you know, with 13 million hunters to, to supply $6 billion is just... Phenomenal, You know, that I, I dare you to turn your nose up on, you know, at $6 billion going towards any sort of um, effort yes. out there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so that's one reason, you know, I, I feel like I'm doing my part as a conservationist um, by hunting. Um, totally. And the other aspect is, you know, I I like the aspect of being closer to where my food comes from. Mm-hmm. Um I I feel like it's completely disingenuous for people to say, you know, I don't like the idea of hunting, but they go to a Super Bowl party and eat 24 chicken wings. <laughs> you know? Totally. You know, they, there's a complete disregard for life you know, on, on that side of things. Yeah. The connection so, man connection. Right. Right. You know, when, when I go out, you know, I kill, you know, a few animals a year, um, you know, through hunting and you just killed more animals in one sitting during that Super Bowl party, you know? So, yeah so who's, who's really the bloodthirsty maniac, you know? Totally. Uh, so, so that's the other aspect. I, I, I like the idea that I am a lot closer to my food. I know where my food came from. Um, it's, I love to cook mm-hmm. and I love to prepare wild game. Um, so, you know, taking it from field to fork is, is also really cool to me as well. And then, you know, growing up, you know, in a, in a highly ranching community, um, you know, I know how much work goes into all that kind of stuff. It, it's not just, um, you know, you, you, go to the grocery store and, you know, the grocery stores don't grow those cows, you know, um, you know, they buy them from a farmer who slaved away all year, feeding and vaccinating and you know calving you know pulling calves at, at in february sucks up north mm-hmm. totally and uh you know so there's there's just a a profound respect that i have for nature by hunting and i want to maintain that respect And that's, that's probably another one of the main reasons that I hunt. And then thirdly, and lastly, um, you know, you see these nature pictures and stuff like that and, um, they're never as good as when you see it in person. Totally. And you're not gonna, you're not gonna experience what it's like to, sit on top of a mountain or out in the woods and and just hear nothing but the wind Mm. and you know you're not going to do it from inside your office no so
1: pictures don't do it justice video doesn't do it justice you got to be there
0: right right absolutely so that's that's probably uh a list of the top three of why i hunt
1: yeah man powerful stuff aaron Really yeah. good stuff, man. I appreciate that. Where can uh, where can everybody find you at? on social media and on the
0: internet? Where can they buy your book? Yeah, so um, you can uh, find me at uh, Archery Outdoorsman uh, on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. Um, you can uh, find me at www.archeryoutdoorsman.com and on Go Wild. Um, which is a newer app. Actually, my next podcast here in like 15 minutes is with Brad Luttrell, uh, one of the co-founders of Go Wild.
1: Very cool. Uh,
0: it's uh, Aaron Schmaus, and you spell my last name, S-C-H-M-A-U-S, and there's two A's in Aaron. Uh, so uh, it's A-A-R-O-N-S-C-H-M-A-U-S if you want to look me up on Go Wild. So, perfect. Uh, and if you want to find my book, uh anywhere online books are sold. Ten rules for finding a good hunting partner. I'll link that all up in the show notes on my website at
1: www.activatethehunt.com. And uh man, thanks again for your time today. Much appreciated. Uh I really appreciate what you're doing. Uh how much time you're putting into uh you know things like this, the initiatives like this that are uh you know value driven and helping the hunting community i think it's it's there's something to be said for that and you're you're stepping out and doing that so i appreciate it
0: yes sir absolutely and at some point i'd like to have you on my podcast if you're interested so we could talk about activate the hunt i think your mentorship program is uh is outstanding absolutely
1: i would uh i would very much appreciate that and it'd be it'd be awesome cuz uh getting ready to launch here in the next week i'm getting ready to launch the uh the real true value of activate the hunt right now it's the podcast here and the website and just the social media links but uh the community side of of what I'm what I'm putting together and the tribe side of you know bringing hunters together to learn grow and inspire each other is really going to be the the cool aspect of of what I'm doing which will be called the digital campfire so I'd love to uh, talk about that and, and how we can bring people together to uh you know have a uh have a tribe of of hunters together that are helping each other absolutely man cool man well let's uh let's catch up again soon aaron i appreciate your time and uh and i'll talk to you soon
0: all right sounds good man i appreciate it
1: i hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as i did i encourage you go give aaron a follow on instagram he's at at Archery Outdoorsman. drop him a message let him know that you really enjoyed hearing him on the podcast today And as I mentioned earlier, be sure to go to www.jointhecampfire.com. That's www.jointhecampfire.com. There you can learn more about our exclusive hunting community, the Digital Campfire. Finally, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. I would also appreciate it if you'd leave a rating and review on iTunes. This helps new people find the podcast. Check back next week. I'll have a new conversation for you. Have a great week, everyone.
0: Thank you for listening to Activate the Hunt podcast.
1: For additional information about this podcast, the show notes, hunting articles, and more, visit www.activatethehunt.com.